You are listening to a message from City Church of Richmond, located in Richmond, Virginia. We are a broken people, loved by God, continually restored by Christ, and sent out to worship God, serve our city, and work for its renewal. To learn more about City Church and to find out how to get connected to our community, visit our website at citychurchrva.com. That's C-I-T-Y-C-H-U-R-C-H-R-V-A.com. And thanks for listening. My name is Harrison Ford. I'm one of the pastors here. It's a pleasure to be with you this afternoon. So as some of you might know, uh, we had our men's overnight uh, yesterday into today. I know the moms and wives are looking at me and being like, oh, we know. (laughs) We know. Um, It was a wonderful, wonderful time. And part of what made it wonderful was that we had a guest speaker named Brian Fowler, who I'm going to go ahead and invite up right now. Brian is uh, going to be uh, preaching for us today. Brian is a pastor in the Virginia Beach area where he's a corporate chaplain at AGI. Brian is also a PhD student at the University of Aberdeen, studying faith and work-related uh, issues, specifically as it relates to neurodiversity. Um, and perhaps most importantly, he is brother-in-law to Chris and Liz Rohde. <laughs> so would you uh, please give him a hand as he comes up now? Well, good afternoon. It's good to be with you all. Uh, when Harrison invited me to preach at the men's retreat and offered Uh, for me to come here Sunday afternoon. I didn't realize that this was some sort of subtle form of torture. Uh, Preaching Saturday night, Sunday morning, no sleep Saturday night, and now I'm here with you this afternoon. Uh, But I'm very happy to be here. As Harrison said, uh, my brother and sister-in-law have attended here. This is actually my second time here. My first time here uh, was for Chris and Liz's wedding. Uh, And my second time here, I'm uh, meeting their daughter for the first time. So I think they might not like me that much because, like, I only come here the second time to meet their daughter. But it's okay. I'm glad to be here, glad to worship with you all, uh, and glad to bring you God's Word today. Uh, We're going to talk about Psalm 104. Uh, Psalm 104 is a psalm that that, uh, gives this picture of creation. It gives this poem of creation, the creator God, but it gives a picture of the God who is the creator and sustainer of our world. And what Psalm 104 shows us, what we want to look together at this afternoon, is that in the uh, poem that is unfolding before us, that God is knitting our lives together in his creation. That, that God is calling us to give our whole selves, our vocations, for those who, who find your vocation as something that offers you pay, you know, for, for having a job, but also those who work at home or who volunteer. That, that God is calling us to give our vocations, that God is calling us to give our worship, that He's calling us to give our whole selves wholly to Him. And that's what we want to see as we look together at Psalm 104 this afternoon. Psalm 104, verse 1 begins... Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my Lord, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment stretching out the tent, the heavens like a tent. 
He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariots. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers winds, his ministers a flaming fire. He sets the earth on its foundation so that it shall never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke they fled. At the sound of, of your thunder they took flight. The mountains arose, the valleys sank down to the place that they were appointed for them. You set boundaries that they may not pass, so that, you, um, so that they may not cover again the earth. You make springs gush forth in the, in the valleys, they flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field, the wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them the birds of the heaven dwell, they sing among the branches." From your lofty abode you water the mountains, the earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth, and wine to gladden the heart, and oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. In them the birds build their nests, the, storks has, the stork has her home in the fir tree." The high mountains are for the wild goats. The rocks are refuge for the rock badgers. He made the moon to to mark the seasons. The sun knows its time for its setting. You made darkness, and and it is night when the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lion roars for his prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to work to his labors until evening. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made all things. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures immeasurable, um, living things both small and great. There go the ships, the Leviathan, which you have formed to play with it. These all look to you to give them food in their due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and renewed from the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in His works. Who looks on the earth and and it trembles. Who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I am living. May my meditations be pleasing to Him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth. Let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. The Word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we have come to Your Word, as we have seen this picture of Your creation, how beautiful, how frightening, how amazing You are, How amazing is your creation and how wonderful your works. Lord, may we know more of what it means to be loved by you, to be redeemed by you, to be children of your grace. May you speak to us by your spirits. In your name we pray. Amen. So in um, the early 90s, the uh, computer market was uh, really kind of ramping up. I shared a story this morning of of Steve Jobs getting fired in 1985 at the men's retreat. This is the second half to that story. In 1997, Steve Jobs came back to Apple. Uh, In 1997, at that time, Microsoft had a majority of share of the computer market. 
Uh, Microsoft had made a platform where they were working with a lot of different computers, PCs, and Macs. There was an original agreement between Steve and uh, Bill Gates where they were supposed to only do it on their platform. But Bill Gates blew that up and he said, look, I want to work with all kinds of computers. I'm going to work with PCs. I want to work with Macs. I want to make this software that goes out to everybody. Um, and so when Steve Jobs comes back to Apple in 1997, Steve Jobs has this vision. Microsoft, which is the largest company in the computer industry at the time, has this majority share of the market is working with lots of different computers, and Steve says, you know what, we want to do one thing, and we want to do that well. We want to make this total end-to-end -end integrated system. We want Apple to not only control the computer that you use, but also the uh, system that you're going to listen to your music on and the store that you're going to buy that from, and the watch that you're going to wear, and the earphones that you're going to have in your ears. We want to have an end-to-end -end integrated system. And this looked like a total failure at the time, but after the iPhone came out and into the mid-2000s, then um, Apple surpassed where Microsoft had been. Apple became the leading, the dominant computer company. And I share that story to say what Psalm 104 gives to us, what it imparts to us today, is this vision of this end-to-end -end integrated creation. That as we look at creation depicted here in Psalm 104, that we see this God who has weaved His work, weaved Himself through everything that is before us. That His beauty, that His creation, that His majesty is displayed through all that we see in front of us. This God who is our creator is the God who calls us into worship, is the God who calls us to give our whole lives to Him. That this God has designed creation, that it would be connected to Him, that it would be totally integrated with Him. But I think that's as we come to Psalm 104 where we often struggle. Connecting what we know to what we do connecting our faith into our work, connecting our worship into our work. These are the areas that we struggle. And yet what Psalm 104 would say to us today, what Psalm 104 invites us to, is that God calls us to live fully to Him because He gives Himself fully to us. Psalm 104 invites us today to live fully to this God because He gives Himself fully to us. And we want to see that together in three ways today. We want to see first the God who works. We want to see second a creation that responds. And finally, we want to see redeemed hearts that praise Him. As I said already, Psalm 104 is a poem. It's a poem of creation. It's a poem of the Creator God. It begins, verse 2, that God is covering the light as a garment. It says He lays the beams of the chamber. He makes His messengers winds. He covers the deep as with a garment. Verse 4, verse 9, you set your boundaries that they may not pass. It, it gives us, instead of as Genesis 1 says, you know, God said, let there be and there was, it gives us this image of a God who's an architect, a God who is an electrician, a God who is not afraid to roll up his sleeves to work to get dirty as the Bible opens to us and as Psalm 104 shows us in poetic form, 
This God is first and foremost a worker. This God is, is the one who gives us the very archetype of our work. That he is a leader. That he is a mason. That he is a designer. That this is the God who we worship. This is the God who we rejoice in. This is the God that the Bible opens with. And the God who we praise together today in our worship. But I think if we reflect on this, we think, well, this image that is given to us of God and this goodness that we see in this work is something that oftentimes you and I struggle with. Because while this God, as we see in Psalm 104, this God, while he enters into this work that is beautiful, oftentimes the work that we do is hard. The work that we do is draining. It's challenging for us. There was an article that was written back in 2019 in the Atlantic. A bunch of friends you know, of mine were, we were all tossing this article around. It's called Workism is, America's, um, is Making America Miserable. And it was really about how that we in the West, that we in America have turned work into religion. That we find our identity in work. I, I'm sure you guys have done it. I travel on airplanes a lot. What's the first question you say when you sit down next to someone on an airplane? What do you do? That we find our identity in our work. That we find our meaning and our value in our work. And, and what, is, what this article exposed was that this reality that because we have made work everything, that the very thing that we worship is also the thing that can fire us. It's also the thing that can disappoint us. And this is also an image that the Bible gives to us because if we think about Genesis chapter 3, we think about Ecclesiastes 1, vanity, vanity, all's vanity, or we think about the fall. God says work is going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. And we see that this is true, that we see that this is a reality, but no less is true, as Psalm 104 presents to us today, that work is a gift from God. That work is something that is hard, but it's something that's also very good. It's something that also God did in creation and God calls us to enter into that God has given us work. And that while work is broken now, that work still is no less good. And that while work is difficult, work is still a gift from God and a gift that He gives to creation. And that's what we see as, as we continue on in Psalm 104. We see that the creation responds to this Creator God, that the creation responds to this God who is a worker. It says in verse 13 and 14, it says, From your lofty abode you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow, the livestock and the plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth, wine to gladden the heart and, uh, of man, and oil his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. Here Psalm 104 says, look, God waters the earth, and that causes plants to grow, and when plants grow, that gives us food for sustenance, for life. Martin Luther um, the reformer, when he was reflecting on this reality in his book uh, on the doctrine of vocation, he says that when we think about God's provision to us, 
And when we think about the Lord's Prayer, He says, give us this day our daily bread. He says, think about the farmer who farmed that grain. The baker who baked it. The grocer who sells it to you. Or in our day, you know, the truck driver who drove it to the grocery store. And for me, as a, someone who works at a sign manufacturing company, the company who made the sign so you know whether it's a food line or a Harris Teeter. Sorry, that's my Virginia Beach coming out. For you guys, Whole Foods or Fresh Market. Sorry about that. I forgot where I am. Uh, so, uh, when, when, when God, when, uh, what Martin Luther is, is saying to us uh, is that in creation, God gives us these gifts. That He gives us these gifts, but that we, through our hands, that we, through our labors, that we enter into the work of the Creator. That as God blesses us with our daily bread, as Psalm 104 speaks to us today about God giving us food, He giving us wine and oil and bread, that these are the things that we go search out into creation, that we make into the very provisions that we need to live. And the ancient Israelites, when they saw this text, or when they looked into their worship code, they realized that this God who they served, that He didn't just require these, that He didn't just give these things for them for their sustenance, but also that they might enter into worship of Him, that these were actually things required to give as sacrifices in the temple. There is the bread offering, the wine offering, there is the lamb offering, you know, the farmer who, the, the, the shepherd who raises the lamb who's then sacrificed for the people. And all of these labors enter into the worship in the temple and we begin to see this image of how the work that God gives us in creation becomes the way that we worship this God. That the work that God gives us in creation becomes the way that we worship Him. But I think today, it's hard for us to imagine this kind of relationship. It's hard for us to see how is our work connected to this God? How is our work integrated into this God, integrated into our faith? In 1967, there was a protest of the civil rights movement uh, in the city of Memphis, uh, the sanitation workers were, were protesting over um, unjust amounts of pay. And, and one of the workers, one of the leaders in the protest, he stood up and he said in the midst of that protest, he said, it is more glorifying to God to dispose of waste than to create it. Now that's a profound theological statement if you think about it. That he saw his work as connected to the glory, to the being of this God who we worship, this God who created us. He said it's more glorifying to God to dispose of our waste and create that, that what He was doing was good. That what He was doing was worshiping God in His work and in His life. And that's the challenge for us as we see Psalm 104. How do we see our work, our lives connected to this God? That's what Psalm 104 is inviting us into today. Saying God has placed beauty in creation. God has called us as His image bearers to enter into creation, to bear His image and to enter into all the vocations that He calls us to, to bring glory and to bring His image and to bring beauty into those places. 
But the question as we close out our time of worship together today, the question is, so, so what does that mean for us? How do we enter into those places? And what the psalmist leaves us with is that we enter into those places by the redemption that He gives us, by the hearts that He restores in us. That what Psalm 104 would lay at our feet is that our, our work must be motivated by our faith. That we, in order to worship this God in our work, that we must first receive His love and His grace that He gives to us. That we must first embody this love and His grace. That we must first, as it says here in the text, be renewed by His Spirit. It says in verse 30, when you send forth your Spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. Jumping down to verse 33 through 35, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have been. May my meditation be pleasing to Him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth. Let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. What Psalm 104 lays at our feet today is it says that the way that we enter into this relationship between our work and our worship is we realize that this God must first renew us, that it is by His love, it is by His grace that we can see our work as worship to this God. That is because of what He does first for us, that He is the God who renews us, that He is the God who sends forth His Spirit into our hearts, into this world, into our lives in order that we might be energized by Him, that we might receive His grace, and that all the places that He calls us to, we might go there by His Spirit. My wife and I, we um, have lived in the Hampton Roads area for the last decade. Uh, eight of those years we lived in Norfolk, and uh, two years ago we had the opportunity to move out to buy uh, kind of our dream home out in Virginia Beach, get a little farmhouse uh, on a couple acres of land. And we moved in that house in May of 2021, only to have that house burned down uh, in January of 2022. Uh, so our house burned down, it's been almost a year and a half. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, if you've ever been through the experience, uh, when your house burns down, especially if you get a total loss deal like we did, uh, it's, it's about the craziest situation because you get all these uh, adjusters calling you up. I don't know if anyone works in the insurance industry. Thank you for your service. Uh, you get all these adjusters calling you up. You know, how can we help you? How can we? So I have three adjusters. I got my uh, adjuster adjuster. I have my contents adjuster. Uh, and I have my structure adjuster. My structure adjuster is a guy named Tim. He pronounces his name Team. He's from New Zealand. He comes to my house about a week and a half after my house burns down. And he looks at my house and he says, you know what, you're going to have to just tear this thing down. You're going to have to, you know, take it to the ground, totally rebuild. So we're, you know, disappointed, uh, but we kind of thought that was going to be the outcome. Already lost the house in the fire. Uh, and, and he goes back to his office uh, and, and he does this incredible thing for me and for my family. He sends us a, a check of our entire insurance premium and one, I mean like the largest check I've ever seen in my life, you know, shows up in my mailbox a week later. And that check sat there, sits there in my bank account. 
And through that check, I continued to draw on it and draw on it and draw on it to build back my house where my wife and I hopefully will be moving back home in one month from now. I share that illustration to say to you all that, that this is what Christ does for us in his death and his burial and his resurrection. That he gives us fully his grace as he comes in the form of human being, as he takes the penalty of our sin upon himself, as he dies in our place. And in place of our sin, what he gives to us is that full deposit. And he says, you can now go out into the world and you can live fully to me. You can draw on this deposit that I've given into your account. That everywhere that I have called you to, you can now live fully to me because I have given you my grace, my spirit, because I love you. You can now enter into your lives, into your vocation, into all the places that God has called you by the love, by the grace, by the mercy of Jesus Christ. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your love to us through Jesus Christ, we thank you that because of his sacrifice that we can be your redeemed children, that we can be loved, that we can be renewed in our work, that we can give you our work as worship. And we pray that you would change our hearts, that you would cause us in all the places that you have called us to, to go there as worship to you. We pray that you would renew us now by your body and your blood in this table, that we might know more of your grace and your love this day. It's your name we pray. Amen.